Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Chris here, I hope you are doing well and staying safe and we are back once again to review the SWPL action from the weekend just gone. Uh, and of course, to do it, I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Mr Campbell Ferguson. Campbell, how are you doing? I'm absolutely fantastic, Chris. How are you? Oh, I love that burst of positivity from you. More of that, please, my friend. Uh, so yeah, that's good. I am I'm no bad. Uh, I've had a half day today because I maybe got a little bit hungover um, yesterday with the pints being back but yeah I'm all good we're not here to talk about pints so we're here to talk about SWPL so um, we're going to talk about obviously the SWPL one action from the weekend uh, and then we're also going to have a wee look at the World Cup draw that's coming up on Friday for qualifying for Scotland the national team Maybe we're going to pick out our, our dream scenario and then we've got a bit of a nightmare scenario lined up as well. Uh, and then we'll have a little little chat about the, the Women's Champions League as well because obviously there's some news out that affects Scottish sides uh, coming out today on the day that we recorded this. But first of all, Campbell, we are going to talk about games and we are going to start at K-Park, your favourite place to watch football in the SWPL. Um, Celtic against Hibernian, uh, which was the four o'clock BBC Hour game. No, sorry, ten past four BBC Hour game. Uh, Celtic three, Hibernian one. Um, three wins from three set for Celtic this week. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the game in a bit, first of all, but that's a, a pretty good return for Celtic. It's probably a dream scenario for them, actually, when they set out last Saturday, last Sunday even. Of course. I mean, you always want to win your games. It's it's massive for Celtic after the, the city defeat to, to start the season back. So um, it's, it's got them back in the title race now after obviously beating Rangers in midweek. So there's, it's all good, really. There's not much else you can say for them. It's, it's fantastic also. We'll get to covering the game in a bit more detail in a minute, but you can see how much it's meant to, to the players and Fran Alonso um, over the week. His celebrations at Celtic Park were, were great for Celtic fans and not most other folk in equal measure, but it's it's good to see. So, yeah, a good week for Celtic. I liked uh, Fran's Miami Vice um, white coat and red shirt on Sunday. I was a big fan of that. Um, so fair play to him for, for uh, coaching with, with his own unique style. Uh, but yeah, let's get straight into the game because they were playing Hibs and Hibs coming on the back of uh, defeats to, to Rangers and Glasgow City, a pretty tough run of fixtures for them, Amy Gallagher back in the team. Uh, and I mean, Hibs kind of started the strongest. I watched this game back um, today and they had kind of the best of the opening chances. Uh, Colette Kavner had a shot that hit the post and then hit Chloe Logan and then went clear. Um, and then they went 1-0 up, uh, Amy Gallagher picking the ball up, uh, heading towards the area, brought down just on the edge by Caitlin Hayes. Um, and then she kind of steps up and... It's, I mean, it's quite short range. She's like right on the edge of the area. She gets it up and down over the wall. Chloe Logan gets a good handle on it, um, but couldn't keep it out. It was a good free kick, but I'm sure Chloe would have liked to have got that strong hand to manage to push it over the bar. Yeah, I mean, Chloe deserves a lot of credit for the Colette Kavanaugh shot you mentioned. She's, it's a great save when you see it back to get her fingers to that. Um, whereas the goal on Sunday straight away, you were, oh, it's a great free kick, whereas I just simply told you it wasn't. Well, it was. It was a good free kick, but it was a goalkeeper's mistake at the same time. Um, obviously, McAllister turned into a bit of a free kick specialist, and it was it was a good strike to get it on target, as you say, for that close. But, yeah, Chloe Logan will be disappointed them um, not to have kept that one out, I think. Yeah, she got enough on it. It just didn't... didn't it, it kind of dropped in enough time for it to, to go in. But yeah, good free kick. That's Amy Gallagher's third goal of the season. And I think that's the second free kick as well. Very similar. I think she scored the one from the other side um, last uh, last time she scored. But um, yeah, do a good free kick. Um, Hibs still look very much like they're on top of it. But then just before half time, I think this is probably very important in terms of the flow of the game, Campbell. Um, a free kick is launched into the box. Caitlin Hayes gets her head on it, drops to Katie Nicholson and her effort kind of deflects off Lee Eddy and, and goes into the corner. And it, it puts Celtic back level just before half time. And it's a cliche, but that goal 
does change the complexion of the game a little bit because it means that Hibs don't go in with something to kind of hang on to in the second half. Nah, it's a horrible time to concede because it obviously changes changes your mindset going into the game, change what your manager's then going to say to you at half time. Um, it's a tough goal we concede as well because the ball, I mean, Lee Eddie's done her best to block it and the ball's just hit her and then when it sneaked in off the back post as well, it was it's really, really tough to take. Um, so it's, it's not a good time to concede, obviously, but it then gives Celtic that confidence to go on in the second half and as we saw, obviously, they went on um, and got the two goals to go on and win it for there. So it's... It's just one of these things that happens in football sometimes. If that's a good time to score for Celtic, it's, it's clearly not a good time for Hibs, but I certainly, it certainly did make a big, big difference to the game, I feel, especially the way the second half then went on. Yeah, second half, it did, it did seem that Celtic were more in control and they got two relatively quick goals. Let's talk about the first one. Mariah Lee, who seems to be getting better game by game at the moment. She, had, she was kind of all over these two Celtic goals. Um, the first one, she cut in on the edge of the box, uh, hit a shot and it uh, hit Joel Murray on the arm and um, I think the replay showed it was it was Joel's arm and the ball was going towards goal well what was your take on it? I mean when I first saw it I said no because it looked like it kind of came off her body first and her arms out yes and obviously going by these rules I just say it hits it so I suppose it is but I thought they then said the rule would hit your body first and then your arm it isn't I'm not quite sure if it needs to be deliberate or what. I don't know. It's all changed at the minute obviously but it looked to come off her body before her arm so perhaps a bit a bit harsh yeah, I mean, that's fair, as uh, somebody opens the door in Campbell's, in Campbell's house. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, if that did hit the body, then I think that's a fair point. Uh, when I, The angle I saw at it, the, when I've looked at it a couple of times, it looked like it hit straight off the arm. But if it has hit the body, then I think that's a, it's a fair challenge in that respect. But uh, Chloe Craig steps up and she managed to squeeze it past Emily Much. Emily Much kind of it seemed to like just hit Emily Much's legs and just kind of trickle over. But that, that goal put them 2-1 up and Chloe Craig... Give it the beans with the celebration for that one, I thought. Uh, well, I mean, you're going to have a happy score. I think sometimes it's just that case of Celtic and maybe not being at it early doors. So to then to turn it back and perhaps a streak of luck, but to get the goal from it, they'll be they'll be happy. And it's that kind of way of let's just let's show how much it means to us. And then obviously the third goal came later on. But I think it's good to see that, that we're getting the players kind of showing that enthusiasm, obviously. And it wasn't a great penalty, but it's then at the end of the day. And that's, that's obviously the main thing that counts from it. Yeah, and then a, a few minutes later, um, Hibs were on the attack. A shot from Carla Boyce hits uh, Kiva Keenan. Um, Hibernian uh, appeal for a penalty. The penalty's not given. Again, on the replays, it looks like it hit, hits the chest. Um, so, I mean, that, that's not a penalty. Uh, I know there was uh, some protests on the sideline. Dean Gibson got a yellow card um, for kind of the protest. But I think looking back in that, I mean, that's, that's not a penalty, that one. No, it didn't. It didn't hit her arm. It wasn't anywhere near her arm. And then, as you say, Dean Gibson obviously not happy. Where for the first one, I can see maybe his point, but for that one, it was, it was certainly not a penalty. And the referee got it right. And there's a point for him, of course it is, but you can see why he's shown his frustrations with the first penalty. As I say, but definitely not for the um, the Hibs claim. Uh, and then from there, Celtic go three one up uh, again. Good work from Mariah Lee. As I said, she's looking sharper by the week. She obviously got her goal against Rangers in, in midweek. Uh, good work on the in the wing and crosses in for Sarah Ewan's first time ever eighth goal of the season. I mean, Sarah Ewan scores goals at this level, so um, it's good to see her get her kind of run in that respect in, in terms of scoring goals. And from there, Celtic pretty much wrapped up. I thought that Sarah Teagarden coming on really helped kind of push them on as well in that second half. It's a cracking finish. Um... It's a really good finish from Sarah Ewan's. Obviously, it's kind of one of these strange ones where you've not got much room to move your foot at it, but she took it well. Um, and as you say, obviously, Sarah Teagarden kind of picked her out midweek as being one of Celtic's best players. So to 
to have that um, that type of player coming off the bench and you can afford to rest them is, is certainly good for Fran Alonso and for Celtic. So when they've got um, that novelty, that's that's certainly a positive and it's something that will bode well for them, I think, for, for the rest of the season with some tougher games to come. I mean, Hibs had a chance maybe about 10 minutes to go. Carla Boyce uh, in the box, uh, shooting over from close range. But um, as you say, finish 3-1 to Celtic. It means that Celtic stay within touching distance of Rangers and, and Glasgow City, obviously, given the, the run results they've had. For Hibs, it's three defeats in a row. But at the same time, it's not been three... I don't think it's been three defeats that they would look at and go, we've really been taken to task. They've obviously slightly changed the way they played us this last week. It's, it's had a bit of benefit for them. But I think the, the story of this is Celtic have made sure that they continue in the title race going into the next run of games. I mean, we picked Celtic out, obviously, and they had to, had to beat Glasgow City and didn't. The reaction from that has been great, obviously. And they're still technically there. Um, the City Rangers game is obviously going to have a big, massive effect really on, on what's going to happen. But... For Celtic, they're, they're still in touching distance and I'm sure they'll they'll believe themselves that they can keep this up and be in the top two come the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll talk about the top two in a little bit as well in terms of the Champions League. But uh, in terms of top of the table, it is Glasgow City that still uh, remain top. They were on the BBC Sport live game, the, the early kickoff. Uh, a 4-0 win for, for Glasgow City. Pretty comfortable. I mean, they scored two goals inside the first 10 minutes. Uh, Precise and Chia getting her second goal in two games. And then... Kelly Mickey stepping doing a step over, which blew me away, uh, and then curling a nice effort into the corner. It was a fast start from City, and from there you did have that wee feeling that maybe they were going to score a lot. But credit to Hearts, they they did limit the chances in that first half. I thought in terms of City being able to build in that tally. Yeah, definitely. When you see um, obviously City scoring two goals in the first was it, six, seven, eight, nine minutes, it's it's always going to be a long afternoon for you. But like you say, Hearts kind of did restrict City pretty well, and. I know Scott Booth wasn't happy, obviously, with, with City's performance and thought they were maybe a wee bit lacklustre, but that's just the standards you're expecting for City now. They'll, when they're disappointed, we're winning a game 4 0. So, again, like you say, for Hearts, they've, they've had some really tough games, obviously. Um, it's a defeat of 4 0. It's not something you want to lose by, but like we say, given they were they were behind early on and then obviously had a penalty against them as well, they'll won't be content, but they'll be, be happy enough with how they restricted City's chances, especially we said going behind so early on. Yeah, and I mean, in the second half, um, Scott, we've made a couple of changes. Again, rotating his squad. I mean, as I think we've talked about it already uh, since, again, the season's come back, how he's kind of gone from a squad of 12 to a squad of 356. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, rotated his squad and they all had an impact. I mean, Priscilla and Gia could have had could have had a hat-trick again. She obviously um, had this penalty that was saved. Uh, she hit the bar and she kind of missed one from, from close range as well. But uh, Julie Malim getting the, the third. One of those, I was crossing to the, the corridor of uncertainty that led to bouncing into the into the corner. I can see Campbell saying, you being polite there. I'm saying, yes, I am. Um, and then Nicole Robertson scrambles home a fourth. But uh, the other thing about the, the game is obviously Ailey Tepa had to go for an injury. Charlotte Parker Smith came on and she saved the penalty. I mean, both keepers made good saves uh, in that game as well. But the big thing for Glasgow City is winning uh, and they, they got the job done in that respect on Sunday. They did. And it's obviously they went from such a heavy win last week and seeing Rangers kind of sneak by Hibs, you're thinking, right, another chance to build up a goal difference. And obviously, we'll get to how well Rangers got on. But so City will be, they'll be happy enough, but like we said, some of the reaction, I think they're maybe disappointed that they've not won a game against the side bottom of the league by potentially more goals. So 
a wee bit frustrated from that. Um, just a mention for Charlotte Parker Smith as well as we said there. Who obviously, last week had all the messages and folk online and what have you after the goal um, against Forfa. So to make some of the saves that she did, and then obviously the penalty as well, deserves a wee bit of credit for that. So good win for City. Maybe not what they were hoping for, but um, they'll be pleased. Yeah, absolutely, and to, to come, especially when you maybe wouldn't have been expecting to come on uh, on Sunday with obviously Lily Tebbett starting. Um, so yeah, absolute credit to Jack Parker Smith for for once again going into the breach, and that's it's kind of what footballers have to do. So um, yeah, full credit for her. But uh, for Hearts, yeah, it'll be a it'll be a case of kind of looking looking forward and try to pick up uh, pick up some more points in the pursuit of Motherwell at the bottom of the table. But for Glasgow City, yeah. Uh, still clear at the top of the table, another win, and it'll be interesting to see what comes next with them in the couple of coming weeks uh, for them. Uh, let's move on then to the Rangers training centre or training complex. I was having a debate with somebody about this on <laughs> on Sunday. Um, Rangers 11, Forfar Farmington now. I, I went to this game because I was curious to see how Rangers would react to that defeat against um, Celtic midweek. And obviously the news that came out, which we haven't, probably talked about it, I don't think actually on the podcast um, is obviously Kirsty Howitt's ACL injury and she's had surgery in that and that that's a huge blow for Rangers in the, in the title race, let's have a wee chat about that first of all, that's that's huge Yeah, it was like we said last week, it was such an innocuous one um, when she went down at Celtic Park but you heard obviously with the screams at the time that it was something pretty bad and obviously we couldn't get the greatest view from where we were at Celtic Park but kind of suggested to someone that might have been the case. It was just nothing really happened. So it was when that was the news that was confirmed, it's, it's obviously not great for, for Kirsty or for Rangers. Um, so hopefully she's back fit soon. Eh, well, not going to be soon, obviously, but back fit um, when she can be. Um, but it didn't seem to affect Rangers, really, did it? And then to to lose your, your best striker, who's been the top scorer in the league for, you know, so many years, and then they go and score 11 goals, you, you've got to be delighted with that, surely. So fantastic one for Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, Kirsty's obviously out for the rest of the season. She put a tweet out. She's obviously gutted about it, and we can't wait to see her back playing football again. I think that's always the case. I think it's always interesting though. You see everybody in women's football kind of, kind of messenger sending messages of support and stuff. But as you say, Rangers, um, yeah, Rangers scored eleven goals. And to be honest with you, in the in the first half, it, it could have been even more. Um, it was uh, a hat-trick from Sam Kerr and doubles from Lizzie Arnott, Zoe Nessett and Brogan Hay. And then let goes from Claire Game and Sonia and Neil. We're not going to go through 11 goals because that's that's not really the game. But I think a couple of things really stood out for me from that game. Um, first of all, Brogan Hay is in maybe the best form I think I've ever seen her. Um, she made her debut like 15, seven years ago. Mad that she, she's still only 22, Campbell. I mean, I know you're... Young, you're younger than that, but for, for your old dad here, that's seven years ago that I remember her making her debut, and it's uh, it's pretty wild to see that. But she, I, I've got a question for you. I think I tweeted this out on Sunday. Is Brogan potentially the player that's benefited most at the moment from the the change to professional football? It feels like she's really, really came on in the last, especially the kind of last month or so. Is the range have had to rely on her a little bit more? It's a tough question because I think a lot, every one of the Rangers players will, will have benefited from it. Um... So it's obviously not an easy change to make, but when you're you're training each other day in, day out, you're going to get used to it and you're going to improve. Um, Brogan Hayes, she's always been a player that is good to watch because she's just direct. It's a just typical old old school winger that will just simply beat the man or beat her woman, beat her player, and then cross the ball in. So I mean, that's what I, I'm... I'm only 21, but I'm right old school when it comes to I just play 4-4-2, get two rapid wingers and just cross to a tall striker. I don't need a small one. Go. Football's simple. But... Um, She's one of these players that does that 
and obviously it's not a 4-4-2 Rangers play, but she fits into this side really so well and surprisingly maybe didn't start a few of the games. Obviously it's only missed out on a couple and now we cast her being out too. She's almost going to be guaranteed to be, especially playing the way she is. She was she was our best player at Celtic Park in midweek and yet again was creating goals and scoring goals here. So she'll be a big player for Rangers, I think, for the rest of the season and obviously we've seen it, as you said, over all the previous years, but she's a player that should have a good future in the game as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really excited to see how she develops in the in the next kind of couple of months before the season ends. And I think one of the other things that's happened, which happened when Megan Bell came in came into the side for Rangers after her, her first injury, and obviously she, she's out at the moment again after surgery, is it seemed to free up Lizzie Arnold a little bit because I think she had massive impact on the game on Sunday. She obviously scored a double, but she assisted more than once and, and Zoe S being back in is huge for Rangers as well. But these games aren't going to be the ones that are going to win in the title, Campbell. Um, obviously, 11-0 is 11-0. I don't think we want to dwell on that, the number as much, but winning these games is, a, is kind of the minimum for Rangers at the moment, and it's going to be these games, well, the game coming up against Glasgow City in the ninth of May, that's, that's really where they're going to be shooting for at the moment. It's the game that decides the title, I think. Um, you don't see where Rangers and City are losing anyone else from here on obviously Rangers have lost to Celtic twice which has kind of been surprising compared to how we've seen Celtic play in some games but um, if City win that six points clear we'll, we'll end it I think we'll end Rangers chances whereas Rangers win it then these 11 goals could come into play again so it's going to be intriguing of course if they don't win that like we're saying it's over so that is definitely the game they have to win but after that again then the more goals you're scoring the better your goal difference is going to be obviously and then that might be the thing that decides it between Rangers and City. So it's, it's going to be really exciting to see how the season pans out. Yeah, I mean, that that win of, puts Rangers five goals clear of City in that respect. But I think the other thing is, if if Rangers do beat Glasgow City in the ninth, and from what I've seen, I think that I think the game on the ninth is going to be a completely different game from the game that was in December um, from the two sides, for sure. But if, if Rangers do manage to get that victory and Celtic obviously win their game that weekend, that brings them in within two points of the top two and all of a sudden we are, we're back talking about a three-horse three, three horse race for the title and Celtic have got results against Rangers and you know what they have got results against Glasgow City in the past as well. So it's going to be a, a really, really exciting title race. Um, in terms of uh, the, the last game of the day, which was Spartans against Motherwell, uh, Spartans three, Motherwell one, uh, Good, another good win for Spartans. They are now six points clear of Hibs in fourth place. And this was, I thought the first goal in particular in this game from Sarah Cleland was a really well taken effort. And Becky Galbraith, who um, has scored a double midweek, scored again and she assisted for Sarah Cleland, taking her to seven for the season. Um, good result for Spartans, for, for sure. Yeah, it's the sort of game, again, Spartans are going to have to win if they want to take that fourth place. And have got that advantage now, obviously. And it's, there were some great goals in this game. It was Motherwell or other team as well that have not been as bad as maybe their league position suggests in certain games, but they've just not quite got that quality that Spartans have. And that showed on Sunday, obviously, the first goal, like you say, it's a fantastic strike for Sarah Cleland. Um, and it's just a perfect way to kind of set the tone for things. And obviously, Motherwell will get back into it. But again, the following goals, um, second ones, obviously, it's, I think Rachel Connor it was, gave the ball away, which wasn't great, but the move from then on to Becky Galbraith to finish it was well taken. And then I mean, Michaela Macaloni's lob as well for three. It's another great finish. So it's, it's a good win for Spartans. Sort of game they'd be expected to win. Um, but it's, it's one that they've needed after some of the teams they've faced, obviously. Big win in midweek away to Fordford as well. And beating the likes of Fordford and Motherwell are, are games that you would expect them to win. But 
they're games that they have to win to just to make sure that they stay on top of that chase for fourth. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think you're right, but Motherwell, they always offer something in the game. I think that's the thing I've always thought, especially when they've been playing against Spartans and Hibs and for, for, and the teams round about them, they always offer something. I mean, Nick Pruller had a, a great chance to eat whole ice after some good work from Jade Gallen, but um, as you say, that, that third goal from um, Mikhail Macaloni. One of the players who is maybe in this, I think we've talked about it before, that in this gap of going from like under-19 level at Scotland to the national team, she's, she's not at that level yet, but if there's a transition that becomes available, and hopefully that is something that... that seems to be on the cards at the moment, then she's definitely one of the players that could benefit from that for sure. Definitely. I mean, she was always obviously been one of the main players for Spartans over the last few seasons and has been as well for the 19s um, when I've been able to see them. So she'll be getting plenty of game time in SWPL once. She's only going to get better for that course she is. And um, like you say, if there's then that potential pathway from the 19s to another squad before, before the first team, then she's definitely a player that could benefit from it and, Obviously, there's Scotland national side at the minute. These players aren't going to be there forever. So, she's definitely one of these players that you think, give them give her time and give them that time playing week in, week out like we're seeing. Then it would surprise me to see her be able to get into the Scotland squad eventually. Not saying anytime soon, of course, but it's definitely a player that, again, like Brogan Hayne that we've mentioned, that certainly got that potential to, to make that step up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm keen to get your thoughts on, obviously, this the games of this week were... Um, a couple were lopsided, a couple were quite even, and there, is, there does seem to be a little bit of a split in the table at the moment in terms of when you go into a Sunday weekend, you, you kind of know what's going to happen. There isn't many shocks. They do happen. They have happened already this season. What's, what's your take on it? Because watching the watching the highlights of that Spartans game, and Spartans obviously put theirs out on YouTube as well, so I haven't had a chance to watch the full game yet, but I know they, they keep them up there. It, there is something to be said for the fact that that Spartans Motherwell game was probably, in terms of an entertainment spectacle, maybe more entertaining than, say, that that Rangers FR for Farmington game because of the lopsided nature of competition and competition, as everybody's been talking about recently, is the thing that keeps uh, keeps uh, things fresh and interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you're watching the game as a neutral, you're always just wanting goals at both sides. You're wanting a close game, and I don't think anyone really enjoys watching a team winning comfortably unless obviously you support them. So I mean. Disappointing to see Rangers winning 11 now, not for the fact that they've won, but you don't like to see teams getting beat by that margin and it, it doesn't help when we're, we try and kind of promote the game off it. But it's not Forfar's fault. They're obviously having, having a very good season. It's a, it's a strange league. I think it really is. And hopefully we'll see some of these sides in time getting better with Celtic Rangers and City. But the worry is, of course, with them being professional and the money that's going to them, the money these guys can provide themselves, are they going to get too far away? It's very possible. I think it is. I think there's a couple of things that are at play. And one of the things I, I think about is the fact there's no relegation this season. So it makes the bottom half of the table really difficult to kind of focus focus a lot of attention on because there's not stakes, which is what, what we were talking about. Um, obviously, it looks like we've had nothing confirmed, but it looks like SWPL2 is coming back in some form, um, which means there will be promotion in that, which will be another thing to see. And then obviously that brings in another two teams to the league to make it up to 10. So it could just be that this is the growing pain season. I think we've talked about it before. If you're going to grow something, it's not going to grow at an exponential rate of, of the same way that you put the effort in. So yeah, very interesting in terms of that respect. Uh, in terms of the fixtures this coming weekend, it's Forfar Farmington against Celtic. Uh, Motherwell against Rangers is the game that is on BBC Sport Scotland. Um, it's Glasgow City against Spartans and Hibs Hearts. Um, and Edinburgh Derby is the BBC Alba game. Um, so, yeah, potentially a close game. Obviously, Hearts managed to, to get a 1-0 victory over Hibs last time out. And 
Spartans are one of the teams we've talked about potentially getting points off the top sides and Forfar Farmington have done it already against Celtic and they'll score goals. So who knows what will happen this weekend? Hopefully it's uh, super entertaining. But let's kind of keep talking about the league. I tell you what, we'll switch it around. We're going to Scotland first and then do the Champions League. But let's do the Champions League stuff because it ties into what we were talking about. Um, and the SWPL won this season. The top two sides will go into the Champions League next season, which is nice. Um, we didn't have it last season, but the season before we did. And uh, UEFA today obviously is kind of lay out their plans for the, the Women's Champions League in the kind of coming seasons. And there is going to be a lot of money uh, for, for women's football in, in the next couple, couple, couple of seasons. There we go, got that out. Um, and uh, making it to the group stages is €400,000. And for Scottish Scottish sides in the SWPL, that is that is a wad, Campbell, um, if, if they can get there. It's definitely a huge amount. And... Jack, obviously, it's going to go to one of Rangers, Celtic, um, or Glasgow City if they can get through it. Again, though, it just then it's great for them, but my fear is then that it allows them to strengthen so much so that again the gap then just widens between the top two slash three, whatever we're calling them, down to the rest of the league. And it's great for these clubs, of course, it is money that we're not used to seeing in Scottish football, but. <laughs> It's, it's potentially not going to be great for the rest of the league, and don't want to kill the mood, but just <laughs> I think that's potentially what could happen, and we, we don't want to see that, obviously, um, in the end, do we? No, I, I mean I think you're right to kind of have a note of caution about it all, because the other thing with this at the moment is that neither neither the Scottish champion or a team that finished second are guaranteed to make the group stages, which is where this lucrative amount becomes available. Um, as as kind of you could foresee as the, the game grew, particularly in the WSL. Um, yeah, WSL, that's right. Aye. <laughs> um, uh, get my leagues right. But um, obviously with this tournament next season, the six biggest nations have three teams in the tournament. So it's getting a bit Ben's Champions League for my liking. Um, so in the group stages, only the champions of the top three seeded teams and the defending champions of the tournament are automatically into the group stage. But we do now have this champions path and non-champions path. And... The Champions Path is going to be tough. And I think no Champions Path is going to be even tougher because, say, for example, any one of Glasgow City Rangers or Celtic finish second, then they will have to go into a path that will most likely involve teams like Wolfsburg and Arsenal and Manchester City, just going by how the tables are just now. And that's that's daunting. I mean, that is, that is difficult. And even if, for example, Glasgow City finish champions and because of their accumulated points, they get seated in that draw for the Champions Path, they could still come up against the Czech champions who have already obviously beat them previously and the Danish champions. So it's going to be tough. Um, it's a funny one because I, I don't know about you, Campbell, but you see a lot of people talking about how good this is for the growth of the game. But for me, it always feels like that comes from the big nations who always talk about the need to go in the game. And I always look at putting my, put my Scotland hat on and I go, I worry that this is going to go the same way that we've seen it with the men's game where smaller nations are going to get talked to the talk, but when it comes to walking the walk, they're going to get left behind a little bit. And then, as you say, that trickle effect of them potentially strip into the league as well. Should you have been greedy, as it is with all these things? We've seen it with, with the European Super League chat last week, which, as you saw from every club, their fans were just going to go mental how stupid that idea was. Um, so in the men's game, we've, we've added now a third competition, which is good, and the Scottish team's one of them surprisingly and kind of mentally is going to be guaranteed European football at Christmas but obviously in women's football there's not quite as many teams and you've only got Champions League so 
to then change that from a format that does it work? Who knows? Really, there's kind of been there's been complaints about that before, so obviously they have to change something. Is this the right way to do it? Probably not. Um, I mean, you're going on about teams there, saying some of the bigger nations then having up to three sides, and in Spain, that's always been Barcelona and Atletico Madrid have been the two fighting for it. Atletico this season, I don't know what the hell's happened to them. <laughs> suddenly, are sitting sixth or seventh, I think, in the league, whereas Barcelona have. Real's record is phenomenal. You've got what, plus 120 goal difference or something mad yeah. like that. Um, so, I mean, when you're then seeing uh, it's an Atletico team that have got to the last stages of this season and have been in, in the semis, what have you, previously. So, I mean, when you're then putting inside from the bigger nations that perhaps are not great either, I think, in, I mean, the Spanish League, obviously, it's a decent enough quality, but you've only really got the two teams that are doing anything most seasons. Real Madrid obviously didn't have a team, now do but they're kind of still growing their way through it. So, I mean, it's when you're then giving these places to to bigger bigger countries just because they've got a better coefficient, it doesn't necessarily work there. So, I mean, is that then going to work in places like Scotland? Again, probably not. So, I mean, it's Glasgow City, time after time, have had to go through all these qualification games to get in there. They've done it on odd occasions, of course they have, and obviously getting to the quarterfinals twice has been great for them. But it's the same in the men's and the women's game now where the term champions literally means nothing. It's not a Champions League. It's just a case of, oh, you play in Spain or France, England, Italy, wherever. You're suddenly a better a better side and potentially are, but it's not fair, really. I mean, you're then leaving, you're leaving these sides having to play so many games just to get anywhere near it. And as you say, they then could be facing some real tough, tough tasks early on. So, I mean... They're saying it's more places for smaller nations. I don't really think it is. I think it's just any way to make themselves look better. And obviously, we're here to talk about Scottish women's football and not me ranting at UEFA. But <laughs> it's it's just stupid. I'd... Governing bodies for me are just kind of their own interest rather than actually for the greater good. And it's not just Scotland. We'll see other countries, obviously, we've seen and just seen some of the, even in the men's game again, the likes of Ajax, who are some of the biggest names in European football having to go through all these qualifiers to get there. And for Glasgow City, who have, as we say, they're the team that's been Scotland's best representative in Europe, to then have to go through however many games it is just to get to it, just a bit unfair. And I don't think it's it's going to help um, in the long run. It'll be, it'll be good to see now that we've got two teams that will get into Europe, but how far they go it could be a different matter and it could just be a case of right there's two games and get out you go so hopefully it's not the case but again I'm not too positive really about the changes that have been made I mean I think um, there, there has been some like good like holistic changes as well like one of the things is they brought up provisions now for when a, a player falls pregnant so that they are protected which is brilliant and I think you will see a more there is going to be a more centralised TV deal so finding games is going to be easier don't get me started about kick-off time for women's Champions League games because that is a that's a different rant completely not to do with Scottish women's football at the moment. But uh, half 11 on a Wednesday morning is not necessarily how I would market um, the game at the quarterfinal stages of your biggest tournament, but there you go. Um, but then they've also got stuff like they're going to bring in VAR for the knockout stages and my, my skin starts to melt because I'm like, no, not, not that. Um, so yeah, it's, again, growing pains. It is growing pains, but I do, I do worry that it's going to be in four or five years' time, we are going to be moaning the fact that Glasgow City or Rangers or Celtic or Spartans or Hibs or whoever are going to have to go through 
four knockout qualifying rounds to get to potentially get to a group stage that has already got three teams in it from like one nation and four teams from another. Um, so yeah, it's good. There's going to be more money, but it's just making sure Scotland gets its fair share of the pie, which is what we're wanting. Um, we've been talking a lot about qualifying, so let's move, let's finish up by talking about World Cup qualifying because it's crept up on us a little bit. But the qualifying draw for the 2023 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand is due to take place this Friday, the 30th of April. And obviously Scotland are involved. Um, we still don't have a coach for it, but we're going to draw some draw some uh, draw some groups anyway. Um, me and Campbell have had a wee look at the pots, and we have I think we both come up with a, a best scenario, and then I've come up with a, a worst worst case scenario as well. I can't can't quite Campbell's nodding, so that's exactly what I said. Cool. <laughs> um, so without further ado, um, as I said, draws on Friday. Um, there are six pots. Uh, obviously, Scotland are in seeded pot two, uh, which is. You're still handy. Uh, the way that qualifying is going to work is that the top team will qualify automatically and second place will go into playoffs. So Scotland are seeded to at least get to the playoffs at the moment as it stands. Um, of the six pots, pot six has two teams that don't even have a coefficient at the moment because they haven't played enough football. So the game continues to grow. But without further ado, let's go into what is what we think is our possible best case scenario. I think we'll go with. Um, so Campbell, pot one, all the big, all the big. Big boys and girls, um, who have you got as your dream scenario in pot one? I went with Denmark simply because, well, obviously they're the lowest ranked team, and it's, it's not possible really to get the lowest ranked side in every in every pot. Um, well, it is, but it won't happen. Um, in fact, it isn't because I mean I can't play Azerbaijan because fighting and all that crap. So, um, <laughs> so there. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not possible but I've went with Denmark obviously didn't qualify for the last World Cup surprisingly but then you look through the other sides in that draw and we've seen just how good they are in qualifying and at tournaments I mean the likes of Holland England France obviously I was talking with some of these sides but obviously maybe one glamour tie but in terms of qualification Denmark uh, it's not easy of course it wouldn't be but it's, it's the only draw you would you would really hope for I think yeah, I've gone for Denmark too. Same same logic. It's it's the bottom seed, and when you look at the other teams in that in that grouping, probably makes sense that they they are the bottom seeds in that respect. But it doesn't mean that they're not a good team. Peniel Harder obviously plays for the most expensive uh, female player in the world at the moment, and uh, they'll be really tough. I I've also done a, a nightmare one, and I was having a look at them, and I was going, do you know the team I wouldn't want to face? Probably would be Germany because I feel like Netherlands would be fun. England would also be, you know, the old rivalry. France, I think, would be quite fun. Sweden would be a bit meh. Spain, yeah, we owe them one. And then Norway, I think, are going to... I think Norway are coming back into being a form when you look at some of the players they've got at their disposal just now. So I've gone for Germany because we'll just get gubbed twice, probably. Yeah, I'm being <laughs> totally honest. Um, part two, well, obviously Scotland, because that's where we are, which is nice and easy. And then part three, who have you gone for best case in part three? I went for Northern Ireland, but not because of the lowest, just simply because it means you've got less travelling. And travelling, I mean, in the women's game, it's slightly different in the minute when you've obviously got nations that are better. And we've seen Scotland go far away and win games, but you'd rather not be travelling away across to the other side of the continent. So Northern Ireland just, just across the water, obviously, and it's a side that they'll be, they'll be in good mood, of course, they will after qualifying um, for, the, for the Euros, but Again, the weakest side there, and it's, you've not got too far to go, so you, you'd have to fancy Scotland to be to beat Northern Ireland when you look at the, the calibre of the two sides. Uh, I haven't gone for Northern Ireland, though I do agree with the geography side, which does come into play later on. But I've gone for Bosnia and Herzegovina, a team that 
Uh, I think are probably, on reflection, not as good as Northern Ireland. They also have this really interesting thing, and I didn't check it before we started recording, so this could not be the case any longer, but the head of the, the women's national setup is also the head coach, is also the head coach of the most successful side in uh, Bosnia. It's all the same women. I, I can't remember her name now, and I'm not going to Google it just now either, because it's going to take me a wee while. But um, we played Bosnia in the past and beat them quite comfortably, and I just think, looking at some of the, I mean, some of the sides in Port 3, Campbell, uh, give, me the, give me the fear a little bit. I mean, you're looking at, I mean, the Czech Republic have come on leaps and bounds in recent years. Obviously, we've seen that with uh, the performances of Slavia Prague and Sparta Prague in the in the Champions League. Poland have got a number of top quality players, and even like, the Republic of Ireland as well. We know a lot of the players from. Obviously, they're all close to the UK or being played in Scotland. Some of them as well. Obviously, Claire Shine and Kiva Keenan are often in and about this, the Ireland squads at the moment as well. So. Yeah, for, for me, part three Bosnia and Herzegovina, but I think Northern Ireland's probably the, the other shit as well. It just Northern Ireland gives me the fear. It just feels like it's too close. It's too close. And especially if Kenny Shields is still in charge. Um, there's, I don't know if you've seen it, Campbell, but they did a kind of 20 minute documentary about Northern Ireland qualifying for the for Euros. It's actually really good watching. You kind of got an insight into how Kenny Shields kind of motivates his team. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe Kenny Shields will be Scotland manager by then. Who knows? But here we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I've gone for Bosnia and Herzegovina into pot four, uh, and again, pot four is a couple of kind of dangerous ones, and then it feels like some of the ones that I mean, for all that is holy, I don't know what I play Albania, like the women's national teams, Israel, like men's Israel, it feels mm. like we play Albania all the time. So I've, I've put Albania as like worst case in terms of don't want to play them again, but it seemed I think Slovakia are probably the worst case. They are top seeds, but they've taken points off of Switzerland in recent qualifying, so I kind of want to avoid them. But I have gone for uh, I've gone for Greece just because I feel like Scotland don't play Greece often enough, and I think Scotland should still have enough to beat them, and it should be a fairly straightforward commute uh, to that to that part of the world. Um, what, have, what have you gone for as best case in that pot? Just looking at it again, there's some fantastic holiday destinations in there. So <laughs> you would you'd love to be going to any of them. Um, I looked at Albania and I just sat and looked at them for a couple of minutes and I was doing this hell and just thought, no, not again. <laughs> um, sort of team that you would you'd beat and you would fancy Scotland to be taking three points home and away, but you just want somebody else to go, don't you? Um, the two worst ranked sides, obviously, in that pot are Israel and Azerbaijan, but again, they are bloody miles away. So I've went for North Macedonia. Again, my, <laughs> you probably tell already, rankings and distance from my first main two thoughts <laughs> I looked at this. But like you say, Slovakia are obviously the top seeds there, but they're a side that have done really well previous years. And again, even the likes of Croatia and Greece, they're not they're not diddies. So I mean, there's there's not an easy task at in there. Of course, it gets slightly easier, but as you say, there's some some kind of tricky ones. The Heat in Macedonia or North Macedonia now maybe not great, but depending on when that's played, it's it's not the worst trip, and it's a game again that Scotland should be looking at to win. So yeah, North Macedonia. Yeah, that's fair. I think pot four is definitely. The last of the, the teams that you would go, if we'd, we could drop points here, I think pot five and six, we should really expect to beat all the teams in pot five and six. So it's interesting to see what we've both gone with for these last two. But yeah, I think pot four has got a couple of interesting propositions for sure. Um, yeah, and as I said, pot, I've gone for Slovakia's pot four is the kind of toughest one in that respect. Uh, pot five, I have gone for, uh, this is where geographies comes in. I've gone for the Faroe Islands. Um Nice and close. Uh, we beat them quite comprehensively a few times now. I would fancy us to do so again. Um, who have you gone for? Faroe Islands as well. Again, I thought, well, Georgia and Latvia are lower ranked, but 
again, the other side of Europe, you're like, no, let's just not. The Pharaohs are obviously, we're used to being cold. It's cold up there. They're not too far away. And it's sort of game you'd imagine Scotland should be going to win. Cyprus above them. Again, we've played them recently. So you think, mm, yeah, the other side's in it. You'd, again, you should fancy Scotland to beat, of course. One of these sides that shouldn't really be beating many of the teams in the group. So could have went with any of them. But again, just based on geography, the Pharaohs are just up above us, aren't they? They're, they're our northern brothers and sisters. So we'll go with them. Yeah, I mean, the, the one that I got to avoid is Kazakhstan, just because if, if, you, if you ever speak to a Glasgow City player about Kazakhstan, it's like they've been haunted by it for the rest of their lives. It's uh, <laughs> it's always an entertaining. There's always a new tale comes out. And I'm also like, I, I don't think we really want to play Turkey just because they definitely feel like they're one of the nations that are up, moving quickly up the rankings. Um, so I think just avoiding that would be good but yeah, I, I think Faroe Islands is what I agree with and then in the last spot again, I've just gone geography closest one, I've just gone for Luxembourg I mean there's only six teams in the pots so we're not guaranteed to play any of them yeah. um, Armenia and Bulgaria have both not got a coefficient and I was thinking, right, let's read up about them and Bulgaria kind of they just stopped playing for a couple of years there, a few years back, sorry, and they'd said, right, 2017, we're not not trying to qualify for this, but we'll try and qualify for the next one, and then didn't try to at all, so they were kind of right. And then the other one, Armenia, obviously, and Armenia are about 50 places below Bulgaria in the rankings, so straight away you go, oh, that's decent, but then you realise again just how far away Armenia is. (laughs) And Bulgaria... I've went with Bulgaria, but again, listen, you would take any of any of the six sides there. Montenegro, obviously, are a bigger name in the men's game than they are in the women's one. So it's so at Lithuania and Estonia, I suppose, for that matter. So there's none of them you would look at and go, oh, I don't want to play them. But Bulgaria, as I say, just the fact they've not played too much sorry, international games, too many games together, it just... It seems the obvious one to go for, as Scotland then go and lose to them. <laughs> but um, they're, they're the weakest side in terms of they've not played for me. But yeah, see. I mean, yeah, Bulgaria are interesting because obviously I spoke to Jenny Curry for the podcast and she's playing over there and it does feel like there's something happening. I mean, again, these these pot five pot six teams, if we're going to qualify for the World Cup, we beat these teams. That, that I don't think that's a debate mm. to be had. We beat these teams. So these last two pots, maybe are a little fussy on that, but Bulgaria, I think, are going to be interesting. So I'd quite like to avoid them. Um, so we've kind of done a, a good case, bad case. What about, you mentioned it, like road trip, ha- we haven't been able to travel for the last two years. Hopefully, by the time this, these kick off in September, we might be able to get, get going. So for me, if I, if I was picking my, my road trip destinations, I, I would go for Spain because I just haven't been back in Spain for two years and that's my second home basically um, and then I think I'd probably go for I, I would give myself a little bit of a Balkan adventure like I'd maybe go to like Bosnia and Herzegovina and then Croatia and then Kosovo and then Estonia I think that's where I would go I would like I like keeping it a bit different what about you? So again off Spain I think pot one Chris I wouldn't go to pot two because Scotland are in that one in terms of pot three um, none of them really stand out as being great places to go Um like, I'd, like, like, I'd like to go to Poland just because I know folk that speak Polish and they can be my translators and that seems to be learning <laughs> any Polish words. For pot four, can we just go to all of them? I mean, I mean pot four is a dream. Like I, I agree with you. Like, mm-hmm. maybe, I'd maybe give Belarus a bye. That's quite um, rioty at the moment still, I think. But like Croatia, Greece, uh, bit of Israel, bit of Hungary, bit of Slovakia, get some cheap pints. 
mean, yeah. Belarus is, but I watched a bit of the Belarus League when COVID first struck and there was literally nothing going on. It was just kind of mental. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe go out there. Um, for five, I've been to Cyprus, God knows how many times. So that's just out. But um, Malta, Ben McDonald, who's obviously friends of us, he, he likes Malta and keeps on about how he's going to move there. So Malta, maybe. Um, and then for pot six, again, I mean, they're all going to be pretty cool. Bulgaria seems to be one that a lot of folk go to, but I'd like to go to um, Lithuania because it's against another place we've seen Scotland <laughs> side play constantly before Israel came onto the scene. So it kind of just gets out the road of it. And then of the four teams that didn't enter, let's just go to Andorra while we're in Spain. They're pretty close. Yeah, we'll go see them have a kick about it um, in, uh, in Andorra, absolutely. Uh, right, okay, we, we kind of rambled on a little bit at the end there just because... <laughs> went on holiday. <laughs> I think we just went on holidays. But yeah, um, so yeah, in a more serious point, World Cup draw is this, this Friday... Um, uh, this Friday 30th of April and hopefully Scotland get a good draw and hopefully we get some news about a, a new manager some point soon as well because it'd be good to go into the qualifying with one of those that'd be really useful so we'll see how that, that pans out but for now thank you very much for listening Campbell thank you very much as always for coming on not a problem Chris it was funny yeah we've, <laughs> there was a lot of tangents this week but it's all good um, and also we'll be back next week with some more SWPL content but for now stay safe and we will speak again soon Thank you.